Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk to you this afternoon about uh, TIBCO Data Science Innovation with Amazon SageMaker. Uh, I'm Michael. This is Stephen. Uh, we'll be taking you through a, a presentation and a demonstration uh, connecting TIBCO Data Science uh, to, uh, to SageMaker. So I thought it'd be useful to understand what does an ideal data science platform look like? Well, firstly, you want to be able to connect to data wherever the, they may be, in uh, transactional stores, streaming, uh, data marts. Uh, you want to be able to offer uh, citizen and data science interfaces, both uh, point and click, as well as coding interfaces, uh, for data access and prep, along with modeling. And I mean by that machine learning, uh, deep learning type modeling. Uh, and you want to be able to deploy that out for, uh, for scoring in batch and, and real time uh, to create live apps, to create uh, apps at the edge, uh, and all of those to be powered by machine learning and data science uh, tooling. And on the, uh, on the far uh, right-hand side of the screen here, to be able to inform uh, business applications that really make a difference on the business. So predicting impending equipment failure, offering cross-sell products, optimizing pricing, preventing fraud, things like that. So that's ideally what you want. And we're going to take you through a, a journey of where what we're at there with TIBCO Data Science on the AWS Marketplace, the TIBCO Connected Intelligence Cloud, and our combination of TIBCO Data Science with Amazon SageMaker. We're going to give you a live demonstration of anomaly detection and advanced process control and show you where to get some assets to go on your own uh, journey with our products, combining our products with open source and with, uh, with Amazon. So, uh, if you think about where data comes from, all data begins as a real-time event. Now, we trap those real-time events down into a data lake, we accumulate the data, and we do analytics on that, and we get some insights. You know, but the insights are perishable. You have to take action on the insight. The insight actually decays in value faster than the data does, and so you want to be able to take action. So the TIBCO DNA is really all about finding and acting on critical business moments while you have a chance to do so. So getting a little bit of information just ahead of time about the process with a little bit of business context to take an action that really drives value. So we, you know, analytics at the moment of truth, we call it at TIBCO, for things like surveillance, intervention, for anomaly detection, predicting impending equipment failure. We're going to focus on those two today with our demonstration. But this same platform and idea applies to customer interactions, cross-sell, real-time inventory management, price optimization, fraud, optimizing routes, in anticipating and handling your disruptions. And if you think about uh, some folks out there who are using effectively TIBCO data science with AWS to do just that, you know, one company comes to mind, Lidos, and they have a, a, an offering called the, uh, their Advanced Analytics and Data Sharing Platform, CADS, uh, and they've effectively offered uh, TIBCO data science across a range of, of healthcare applications, particularly. Uh, for example, the CDC is using us and they've been able to do 20x more outbreaks monitoring surveillance uh, over the past couple of years than before. And that's led to real-time monitoring of the opioid ep epidemic. There's been a drug taken off the market by the FDA as part of that uh, data science work. With the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, uh, benchmarking and improving quality of care for Medicare and state Medicaid programs, value-based care rather than fee-for-service. And most excitingly, uh, this week at least, uh, NASA where we're using uh, our software to understand the effects of uh, time in space on astronauts' health. So analyzing the electronic medical record over time of the, of the astronauts uh, using uh, TIBCO data science to understand effects of, of time in space on the health of the astronauts. And there's a photo there from the Mars landing this week. And we're on a journey to get to deep space 
and to Mars, and one of the big factors around that is the um, effect of time and space on, on the astronaut health. So that's a quick example of, uh, of, the, of what we're showing today uh, with a, a deployed uh, customer using this to great effect. Okay, so with that as the ideal platform, how do we uh, stack up and what's our journey at TIBCO in, in realizing this uh, vision? So we have this product, TIBCO Data Science. We've announced uh, the exclusivity of this product on the AWS Marketplace this week. Uh, press release comes out tomorrow morning, but there's a big, uh, big news for us at TIBCO. And right now we have uh, the ability to do most of those uh, items on the ideal platform. We can ingest data and prepare data uh, from a variety of um, stores. In fact, we do most of the computations down in the database engine, whether that be Hadoop or Spark or in a relational data store or whatever the case may be. And the interface is there for visual uh, composition by a citizen data scientist, as well as a notebook uh, environment that's embeddable on the, on the canvas. And when you drag the notebook onto the canvas, it introspects what's being done with the point and click work and gives the Python coder all of that context in, in, in picking up the pieces from the, the data prep, which can be done uh, visually. So this is a, an, enables a data scientist, a citizen data scientist, to work with uh, data sources to do data prep feature engineering and build out models. And then we have a componentry for deploying the model and managing the lifecycle of the model, setting up a, a scoring service from the model to allow batch automation as well as real-time event processing, and then feed into those business applications that I talked about uh, earlier. For example, that epidemic monitoring case that we had from Lidos, engineers uh, optimizing yield, quants uh, doing trading desk surveillance and, uh, and reconciliation. So we're pretty far along the journey. Um, and if we double click down on this slide to each of those uh, components, we see this ability, as I mentioned, to do uh, uh, the notebook piece uh, on the top left, uh, the visual composition piece on the, on the bottom left. There's a slew of operators you can drag into the canvas to do data prep uh, and, uh, and machine learning and combining that with uh, connectivity into the open source and other commercial products like SageMaker. This is a, a really uh, empowering set of tools for citizen uh, data scientists as well as data scientists. Now the connected and collaboration part of the platform is a big thing we've invested in. So folks can, so you'll see in the demonstration, you can have uh, citizens, analysts, managers, data engineers, all of those folks can be in a collaborative environment. It's like a Facebook style or should I say Slack style environment for uh, uh, publishing up uh, work that's been done, searching those uh, artifacts. As I mentioned, the algorithms are all scalable. Uh, we don't move any data. We drive uh, SQL uh, down into the data stores to uh, run at scale in a distributed manner uh, for both data prep and for the ML. Uh, we have an extension interface uh, using PySpark and Scala for um, customizing inter interfaces uh, into, that, um, into those data sources, and then rapid deployment and management on cloud and on-premise. And connect you'll see in the demonstration connectivity into EMR, Redshift, S3, and so on. And there's the, the visual interface. So the combination of this also with uh, BI tools is pretty powerful. So we're in our 20th year anniversary of Spotfire this year. We kind of invented the data discovery uh, space of those years ago. And the ability to do uh, in-database calculations both on the data science side on the left and also on the analy visual analytics side is a pretty powerful combination. Being able to, you'll see in the demonstration how we build out models, we deploy models, and we infuse those results into a broader BI application combining data from different sources to do interactive data discovery, root cause analysis, you know, things like that. And then finally, this bringing models into operation, setting up models as a scoring service, 
uh, to embed predictive insights into business applications, visualize results, uh, push real-time engines into AWS, build out live apps, uh, edge apps. We had a talk earlier in the week uh, injecting some data science uh, results into TIBCO Flogo, which is an open source environment for uh, in the Golang for running uh, low code, building low code apps that run uh, in very low footprint on, uh, on edge devices. Uh, so all of these uh, application areas powered by ML and data science with apps that can make you know, a difference on the business. Now we've been at this for a while and uh, AWS has, uh, we're a machine learning uh, competency partner and we're the only partner who has accreditation in two areas, one for data services a lot of those uh, uh, nodes to drag onto the canvas are for data prep. Uh, um, you know, some for machine learning, of course, but the data prep part of this product running at scale distributed is particularly powerful, and we've got a competency accreditation in that, but also we have accreditation for uh, platform solutions, so the broader collection of tooling that I've just been uh, going through. And then exciting uh, announcement this morning in the keynote, uh, this um, AWS marketplace for machine learning uh, algorithms, and we're participating in that. We've uh, published three algorithms there. The anomaly detection algorithm that you'll see today is up there. You can use that um, in SageMaker or other notebook environments. We have a hospital readmission algorithm that uh, predicts um, you know, readmission rates from things like DRG codes and billing uh, codes. And then a text similar similarity analyzer that we used in that NASA project uh, to uh, set up a featureization of a corpus of documents and then compare a new document in terms of its similarity to documents in the corpus. So these algorithms are all uh, coded in Python, dockerized to follow the AWS marketplace guidelines. You can bring them into your SageMaker experience or other notebook experiences. Uh, and we're demonstrating this uh, in the marketplace experience booth tomorrow as well over in the ARIA quad uh, where there'll be other vendors who are participating in this machine learning uh, marketplace. That's something to keep a track of. Okay, with that as kind of the setup for TIBCO Data Science, um, what are we doing with SageMaker? Let me talk a bit about that and we'll get into the demo uh, and how this fits in with our vision at uh, TIBCO for Connected Intelligence Cloud uh, powered by AWS. So the TIBCO Connected Intelligence portfolio really has two branches to it. There's the analytics branch where we have products for data management, data science, and data visualization. You know, data management, we have a data virtualization product. We have some master data management products. Uh, in the data science area, we have TIBCO data science, cloud-based distributed computers I mentioned. There's also a workbench version of that for someone who wants to bring the data into memory and do like a SaaS-style um, analysis. Uh, and then on the visualization side, we have um, Spotfire, which is our interactive data discovery, data visualization application, and also Jaspersoft, which is also very popular on AWS for embedded reporting, pixel perfect, bursting, uh, that kind of a thing. So the portfolio is uh, fairly rich um, in that area. The data science area also includes some of our streaming components. So uh, stream-based for real-time math on event streams. Business events is a state machine for keeping track of events, whether they're on or off across, uh, across time. So the portfolio has all of those uh, elements on the analytics side. And then on, on the interconnect side, you know, API-led um, microservice-based integration, uh, messaging, event processing, um, digital process automation, BPM, that sort of thing. And you'll see how the uh, data science demo today will feed into a low-code BPM uh, for case management of the identified anomalies from the data science uh, model. So we're aggressively bringing all these uh, products into our own uh, TIBCO Connected Intelligence Cloud with a common set of governance, uh, billing, customer services, uh, again powered by uh, AWS and uh, highly interactive with, uh, with the other AWS components. 
So you'll see that we're marching along towards this ideal state, this vision that I mentioned, uh, bringing data sources in from anywhere, uh, our, our real-time event uh, processing, messaging, um, business works products, We've been doing this for many years, uh, real-time event-based uh, integration, uh, our batch uh, integration through our data virtualization product. However you get the data in, TIPCO Data Science is there in the middle playing this orchestration role, uh, connecting to AEMR, Redshift S3 uh, for doing uh, data science. You'll see in the demonstration where we're uh, connecting uh, SageMaker in through our visual notebook interface to data, TIPCO Data Science, how we're publishing out uh, results and predictions, and picking those up in a, in a mashup uh, between Redshift, uh, EMR, and uh, prediction results from, uh, from the TensorFlow model that we're running in SageMaker, and then pushing these out uh, as a scoring service into applications like TIPCO Live Apps in the bottom right-hand corner, invoked through the TIPCO Connected Intelligence Cloud, and Flogo, as I mentioned, the low-code Golang environment for building edge uh, analytically informed applications that we presented earlier in the week on, on Monday. So that's how the things uh, kind of fit together. And uh, now getting into what we're going to see in the, in the demonstration. Uh, we're going to talk about anomaly detection and surveillance. And there's a lot of applications. One reason we picked this algorithm to show and feature at this conference and to put on the machine learning marketplace is that this algorithm has a lot of applications. So we're uh, proud and excited to be using this in uh, you know, our sponsorship of Mercedes One, who, uh, Mercedes uh, F1 team, which uh, you know, they just uh, won both the driver championship and the constructor championship. You can actually, if you go to our booth, you can sit in the, uh, a replica of the Formula One car. You can see as you're driving along the live visuals coming through in, in Spotfire. And uh, Formula One guys of Mercedes are, are using a lot of Spotfire and, and our streaming products uh, to identify anomalies, configure the gearbox, um, configure the car, develop the race strategy. You know, it takes about 15 milliseconds to change a gear. And we get uh, you know, data uh, on the nanosecond level throughout that. And we understand how to find the configuration <coughs> of the gearbox that minimizes uh, any slippage or issues in changing gears. Lewis changes gears about 3,000 times a race. So we want to have that to be really, really smooth. And uh, the idea of doing anomaly detection both in uh, data at rest and applying that you know, to data in motion is a significant use case. And that's one of the reasons we chose it. Now, in addition to that uh, sort of glamorous uh, use case around Formula One, we do this on a regular basis in the energy sector, um, doing production surveillance across uh, wells for oil and gas, doing surveillance across um, uh, grids, uh, optimizing drilling op uh, operations, and generally doing equipment um, management and predictive maintenance across a variety of uh, sources, including, uh, say, manufacturing, where we're looking for maverick lots and things like that. In financial services, this algorithm has uh, um, application in trade surveillance, fraud detection, risk and compliance monitoring, in healthcare for patient uh, uh, risk, cardiac arrest, sepsis, things like that, and in customer analytics for churn and uh, cross-sell. So what you're going to see in the demonstration is uh, bringing data, uh, connecting to data from a variety of sources, uh, using uh, TIPCO data science, um, building out a model. Now, actually, uh, we use a lot of TensorFlow but well, we found it very convenient to run TensorFlow models through SageMaker because SageMaker is automatically set up to do the parallelization of the deep learning model across a bunch of nodes. And you kind of get that for free almost when you connect into SageMaker to do that, as opposed to trying to rig up your own um, parallel implementation of, uh, of the Google uh, uh, infrastructure. So that's why the little TensorFlow there logos on the, on the first piece. Uh, now the model then detects the anomaly on the, on the data uh, that you've trained up. Uh, with that uh, TensorFlow model through SageMaker. And then uh, step three, uh, we bring that data, the results, you know, into Spotfire. We look at uh, the incidents or the anomalies. 
uh, and, and then figure out uh, new data that are coming in, how do we score that, uh, and have a um, TIBCO Live Apps is a lightweight, low-code BPM application where you can put an anomaly into a case management database and then you can assign it to an investigator to go and investigate the anomaly. Is it a true anomaly? Uh, is it a false positive? And once you can now label that, you can go back and complete the cycle and retrain uh, the model. So Live Apps is that low-code, lightweight uh, BPM application that allows you to do case management and resolution. Um, and that is uh, stitched together in a customized uh, BPM process, oftentimes using TIBCO Cloud integration for combining some of the pieces there. So the actual demonstration, we're going to get uh, it's, uh, sensor data uh, from a power plant on, uh, on three-minute intervals. It's a you know, dummy data set in, 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 in many ways, uh, but it is based on, on real, real data. Um, we're using this unsupervised learning model to detect the anomalies uh, from the model inputs, cleaning up the data, preparing it for the training and scoring. And we're using a deep learning autoencoder to do the anomaly detection. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, and we're using the reconstruction error as a... Um, to estimate the magnitude of the potential anomaly. And then we're building out the application in the cloud application in the framework, um, scoring the ML model on incoming data from sensors, identifying potential anomalies, visualizing the scored data, understanding any incidents that occur across time, and figuring out how to resolve those in, uh, in the case management system. So uh, the data source, as I mentioned, there's uh, five individual burners in this uh, test data set. Uh, three uh, mils per burner. There's a quick uh, Spotify visual there. You've got the columns are the uh, burners, um, uh, columns are the mills, the rows are, are the burners, and there's a couple of time slices there that uh, we're showing, and a couple of different, uh, there's a bunch of different sensor readings that we have here, and we pull out the data, we extract out the, the components of the time, uh, we normalize the different data sources across the sensors to make the analysis uh, solid, um, and we do some feature engineering that we then bring into the, uh, the model. Now, as I mentioned, the model is a deep learning autoencoder. Now, the way this works is uh, you might have, say, 100 dimensions of sensors, and you represent that in a lower dimensional space, maybe 10 dimensions, uh, and you reconstruct the original data. So you might have millions of records that you reconstruct, and the ones that are reconstructed well by the low-rank approximation to the uh, input set of dimensions are data points that are in the center of the data. So they're not going to really be anomalies. The ones that aren't reconstructed very well by the low-rank approximation are potential outliers. They're not really well approximated by the low-rank approximation, uh, and they could be potential anomalies. So we're using that reconstruction error as the measure of the magnitude of the potential anomaly. Now, the neural net architecture is highly configurable. We'll see when Stephen shows you the notebook. You, we've set up a four-layer uh, neural network, um, but you can change that. You can configure up the train.py file that you push across. Um, is highly configurable. And then the model understands the patterns, reconstructs the data set, and highlights the, uh, the anomalies. And so you'll see uh, that uh, the machine learning models, the, the reconstruction error is the output. The engineer can then explore that uh, versus time. Um, we have a Spotfire analysis for bringing those predictions into uh, Spotfire inside the TIBCO cloud and combining that with other contextual data that we have in Redshift, for example. We look at those anomalies versus time, and you can see the, the, the highlights here are the high reconstruction errors. These are the potential anomalies. When they sort of occur together, you've got an incident uh, that you want to resolve, and the engineer can then dig into that time series and understand the root cause and so on of these, uh, uh, of these results. And then taking the, uh, the anomalies that you flag, sticking them into a case management database, and having a case manager resolve that. Could be a variety of steps there involving uh, the, the, the resolution. 
Um, we're not going to get into the details of the case management in today's demonstration, but you can configure this however you want for the business process that you uh, have in mind. Uh, and then as you resolve that with an action, maybe a service technician goes and services the equipment, uh, fixes the equipment, and you resolve that um, whether it's an anomaly or not and go back and retrain your model now that you've got some more labeled data uh, from, from the field. So with that as set up, I'm going to hand off to Stephen to actually take us through uh, demonstration in TIBCO Data Science connecting SageMaker to go through that anomaly detection use case. Great. Stevens. Okay, so I'm going to show you a demonstration that's largely based around the TIBCO Data Science platform. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of functionality there. I'm really going to focus on the machine learning and the integration with AWS, and specifically in terms of AWS with EMR, with Redshift, and with, uh, as Michael has mentioned, the SageMaker framework. Um, <clears throat> The demo that I'm going to show you is based on uh, a real-world example of uh, power plant data. In this case, of course, it's, it's fabricated data to protect the innocent. Uh, but this is a real-world example, and I'll give a couple more examples at the end of how you might use this. Um, now, you can actually see here, within the TIBCO data science platform, the activity over the last few days as we've put this demonstration together. So Marion has been working on the visual workflow that I'm going to be showing to you, uh, and she was relying on the SageMaker work that Venkat was doing uh, in Python notebooks, and they were sort of talking together. You can think of Marion maybe as sort of playing the role of a citizen data scientist, and Venkat, data scientist more focused uh, on Python. And then I sort of swoop in at the end, make things look pretty, uh, and then get the stuff ready for the demonstration. So the point is here, we've got this sort of collaborative interface where the teams can work together. Uh, useless managers like me, uh, data scientists and engineers, uh, business analysts and so on. And as you see through the demo, you'll see that there's different levels of expertise required for, uh, for using the system. And so it really is a sort of gathering place for people uh, from across the analytics workflow. Um, however, I'm not really going to focus so much on the, on the collaboration, uh, even though there's a lot of functionality around governance and security and versioning and auditing and so on. Really, the activity is mostly here around the work files where the team comes together and works in multiple different paradigms. Here, I'm really focusing on two of those paradigms. Uh, we've also got R integration, SQL, Scala, and so on. Really focus on here on Python notebooks, where we have the integration with uh, SageMaker and ultimately through down to, to um, uh, TensorFlow, uh, and then these uh, visual workflows. The visual workflow really drives everything uh, in this particular application. Um, it's got data on EMR, and it's calling out ultimately uh, to a whole array of different processing operations, but in particular, it calls out to one of the Python notebooks uh, where we have the, uh, the SageMaker code uh, calling TensorFlow. So that's sort of the high-level architecture of the demo, if you like, but it's really all driven by this visual workflow, uh, so that's where I'm going to focus now. So let me open this up. So um, this workflow, which uh, Marion created, um, Kat's collaborating with me right as we speak, um, starts with a data set uh, that is sitting on EMR uh, and actually contains this list of sensor readings that's coming from uh, the power plants. At no point am I going to move the data out of EMR. Uh, as Michael has emphasized, and I think it bears repeating, at every point at each one of these nodes in this graph, we are pushing computations down into the underlying data system, whether that's EMR or Redshift or another version of Hadoop or another relational database or Spark or whatever it might be. So the system's smart enough to know this is where the data sits, so I know how I, the system, should 
execute the compute in the most efficient way possible to reduce or eliminate data movement. So we've got this input data set here that contains the sensor readings, and um, so off we go, and let's, uh, let's see what happens in this workflow. Well, the first thing I want to do as a data scientist, of course, is construct my features. Here in this very simple example, we're going to add in a couple new variables here, these time of day measurements. We think these might be relevant for detecting anomalies, and we also think we should probably normalize the variables, so that's what I'm doing here to make sure that no one variable dominates the, the model training. Let me open up this one just as an example. You can see it's very easy. I specify what type of normalization method I want to use, some extra parameters, uh, choose the variables that I want to have included uh, in that normalization process. So very easy to do, minimal coding. As we'll see later, you can interject code if you, if you want. But minimal coding in, an, in a large array of different operators. But while it's very easy to use, it's very sophisticated on the back end because we're, again, we're pushing down the computations into the underlying data source. Um, so in this case, because it's sitting on EMR, <clears throat> we're actually choosing to push down Spark code or Spark SQL code to execute these operations and stringing those together and operating on the resulting data frames as they get passed through the workflow. Now, <clears throat> at some point now I want to build my model. Uh, Michael's described a little bit the type of model that we want to build. Now, of course, out of the box, the data science platform has a large array of different statistical and transformation and machine learning operators. Uh, if I just focus down on the modeling ones, you'll see here a lot of names that you recognize in terms of forests and trees and classification, clustering and regression algorithms and so on. Um, but we think for this particular application, TensorFlow is really great. Um, it's uh, uh, got a solid reputation for doing this type of autoencoding using uh, neural, uh, neural networks, deep learning. Um, but of course, TensorFlow is written in Python. Uh, so ultimately, if we want to execute this, we're going to have to execute some Python code. Uh, and what we're able to do is we're able to interject Python code into this largely visual code-free work, uh, workflow. We can add the Python code um, very easily just by linking to one of the notebooks that I showed you in our collaborative workspace that Venkat has been working on uh, at Marion's request. Now, originally, when we were building this demo, uh, we just had a single node implementation of TensorFlow. We had to write a lot of code to get it to work. Um, it doesn't necessarily scale particularly well, but that's how we built the initial demo. And what we were able to do is then to say to Venkat, well, we'd really like to run this in parallel. We'd really like to leverage SageMaker to simplify the structure of the Python code. And so that's what he ended up doing. So now we're using SageMaker. If I open up the notebook that we're using, here it is back out in that, in that workspace. Uh, let me open this up. So, Directly within the workspace, you see I've been able to open up visual workflows, so that's one way you can work, but I can also directly within the workspace open up the Python notebook. And so here you now see us building the autoencoding model, uh, leveraging SageMaker uh, to simplify the process of using TensorFlow, or it could, of course, be other algorithms that SageMaker supports. So we start off by, first of all, selecting the data set. The platform gives you a nice API for reaching out and selecting those data sets. I can even select them from uh, a menu here uh, of data sets that the data science team in this workspace has highlighted. Very easy to use. Even in that case, this code is auto-generated to point at that data set. Um, I then select the columns that I'm going to use uh, for training the model. I open up the SageMaker session here, get that started. Uh, I need to define the parameters of the model 
um, the, the hidden layers, and so on. And so we've got that defined in a Python file that's also in this workspace. You probably saw it there at the list at the bottom. We've got this train.py Python that sits alongside this Python notebook. So we download that. Again, we use an API that the platform provides you. So you can download that file and feed that into TensorFlow. So it's very nice, right? I've been able to keep my visual workflow, my Python notebooks, uh, my, uh, my uh, TensorFlow graph configuration. We're going to see later dashboards, SQL files. All of that can be collected together and worked on in the same collaborative environment and all the versioning and collaboration and note-taking uh, happening at the same time. <clears throat> anyway, so having downloaded the definition of the, um, the TensorFlow graph in this train.py here, I can now actually execute it using SageMaker. And SageMaker makes it beautifully simple in just a few lines of code to be able to execute TensorFlow, and not just execute it, but then actually to fully distribute that computation across multiple nodes and just handle all the configuration and the setup required to do that. So in just a few lines of code, I'm actually setting up three MLC4 large clusters, uh, nodes in the cluster where SageMaker is going to pass the train.py file and have TensorFlow do its work. So off it goes. Here you see the log file being generated here. Once the model gets created, essentially a protobuf file that contains the, the weights and the biases that have been trained by, that have been discovered during the training by the model. I'm now going to take that back out of S3, unwrap it, and then ask TensorFlow, we could do this via TensorFlow, we can do it via SageMaker to make it easier, ask, Sage, uh, ask TensorFlow ultimately to run the prediction on the input data set. So it seems perverse in some way. We're running it directly. It's everything data scientists are taught not to do is run your model back on the original data set. But it serves this useful purpose now that we get to see how that gets reconstructed from the model after that lower dimensionality pass through. And then we can see whether these new predicted columns are the same columns we had originally, but these new predicted columns, how they match back to the original data set. So that's great. SageMaker and TensorFlow have done their work. So let me hop out of here now and go back to the visual workflow. Let me just emphasize, though, before I look at the downstream operations, what we've done here, right? We've got a vast array of algorithms we could use. But in order to do this TensorFlow operation, up until this point, it would have been much more difficult than just dragging on one of these operators uh, as we've done with the others. Uh, I have to write a lot of code. But by using our Python notebook integration with SageMaker, We've been able to make this essentially a template that the data scientist that Marion can use here, just drag it on, choose that notebook, and then run that algorithm. Uh, leveraging SageMaker through the integration with the data science platform to make that as straightforward as possible. Uh, if you've ever worked with TensorFlow before or some of these other algorithms that SageMaker works with, you realize just how much SageMaker affords you in terms of setting it up. And then the data science platform then makes that accessible really to the whole team. OK, so now we've got the output of that autoencoder model. And you can see here these predicted columns uh, that are the output of the model. And we want to match them back to what the original model looked like to find the anomalies where it's changed too much. So the first thing is we have to join back to the original data set. And again, that's very easy to do, no code. Here's a nice, simple join where I'm joining back on the original sort of com composite primary key, uh, where it's the, the plant and the mill and the time of day. Um, one thing that's interesting about this, apart from the fact that you know, it's this nice way of doing joins. By the way, this join could be happening in Redshift. It could be happening in Aurora. It could be happening on EMR. It could be happening on Spark. As a data scientist, I don't care. It's the same interface. Um, but it all gets pushed down in the right way through Spark SQL, Hive, SQL, whatever it might be. 
But what's interesting here is you notice, I think this is a really nice feature, in fact, we've, we've patented it, or in the process of patenting it, where we can auto-inspect the structure of that Python notebook, and we see what did Venkat use as his input data sets, and what were the structure of those, and what did he generate at the end as the output, and what was the structure of those. So I know, even if before I've run it, what the structure of the SageMaker model is. You can see here, these are my predicted columns, and those are the ones that I've selected to include in my join. So it's a very nice way of being able to integrate with Python notebooks in a way that uh, they become just these structured operators, like, just like all of the others. OK, so having joined back the original data sets, now I've got all my input columns and all my output columns uh, with this prediction, pred um, uh, prefix here. Now I can compute the reconstruction error essentially by computing a root mean square error distance, I think it is, between the input variables and the output variables. And there you see that metric here. Now, by itself, that's a useful data set, but we'd really like to visualize that. And of course, visualization is also part of the TIBCO platform. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use Spotfire, best visualization tool I know, to, uh, to review these reconstruction errors and see how they maybe vary over time or in the context of a particular power plant or whatever it might be. Expose that to the end user, basically, as a dashboard. Um, now, Spotfire can actually connect directly to EMR and just read this data set. But it turns out, for the purposes of the demo, we've got some plant information. These are the processing plants, the power plants, rather. Uh, and we've got some basic geographical information that I'd like to join onto this so that I can actually map these out, like, literally on a, on a geographic map. Uh, and that's sitting on Redshift. So I copy the output of this workflow. I say we never move data. Sometimes we move data. I copy that over to Redshift from EMR. I join that to my location information. And I've got a data set now that's ready for me to visualize. So let me hop out of this data science workflow. And now I can launch a dashboard that's actually going to run um, uh, on that Redshift data set. So here, alongside my Python notebooks and my Python definition file is this dashboard. So let me launch that. And so this is Spotfire. It's connecting to Redshift. So let me enter my Redshift credentials, which have been cached. Um, so this Spotfire is also running as part of the data science platform up in the cloud. And it's connecting directly to Redshift, connecting directly, in fact, to the data set that the workflow produced. And here you see the map that shows the different uh, plants and mills uh, that were mapping in this data set. Uh, here we're using the location information to uh, draw it out on this, uh, on this, uh, uh, on this map. Uh, and here you see the histogram of the reconstruction errors, so I can identify sort of the outliers here. And as time goes by, uh, we can show the reconstruction error here on the y-axis uh, over time, so we can see particular points. So what I can do is I can just highlight those outliers here. Um, or I can also use, and you see they're automatically highlighted on the time series chart. Or I can actually focus on one particular point in time. So if I just identify that, that's actually not only integrated with all the other charts on this dashboard, but even on other tabs on the dashboard, I see how that relates to those charts as well. Here, I'm looking at, over time, each of those individual variables, the pressure, the temperature, uh, the uh, production readings, and all those things that I had in my input data set, I'm looking at each of those individually. Maybe this will help me do a root cause analysis, right? So I know there was an anomaly here, according to my model. What might have driven that? Well, probably not things like 
or the gas emissions or the loss of efficiency or the power. These don't necessarily look particularly anomalous to me, but look at all these differential pressures down here. They all spike at exactly the same time that this anomaly happened, so that's a clue that I might use in order to investigate what's going on in the power plant. We can even then take that information and pass that on to the technicians. Uh, here in this map, we're actually identifying where the anomaly happened and which technicians are closest to that so that they can go in and analyze what's going on uh, with this particular anomaly. So what we've seen here is a mechanism really to make processing data from end to end, from taking the data, cleansing it, transforming it, building complex models, pushing that out into a scored data set, maybe into another repository, and then ultimately visualizing that. All those different elements making that very easy, a lot of drag and drop, minimal coding, but using code when you need to break out of the constraints of the system. Got all those things together, but very easy to use. And so we really do think of this integration between our data science platform and what Amazon has provided in terms of their data platforms and their machine learning libraries uh, and the machine learning framework as a really powerful end-to-end -end system performing, for performing these sorts of complex analyses in a collaborative setting. Um, and this isn't, as I said, just a demo. Just recently, in fact, uh, one of the healthcare companies with which TIBCO has worked uh, did uh, analysis of clinical trials, looking at genomic uh, gene sequencing data and looking at anomalies within the genomic data uh, using precisely this mechanism, literally this software, this template that we've created, but just converting the data set to use gene sequencing data, which is actually much wider, instead of, say, pressure readings. Um, and they just got 45 minutes training, and a week later, um, uh, Venkat told me uh, they had this up and running. So um, I think this uh, illustrates the fact that you really can simplify this process without losing the sophistication that you need in terms of algorithms or scalability. Okay, thanks Michael. Very good, thanks for a great demo. Uh, thanks. So as I mentioned, this uh, demo, the data science piece can be set up as a scoring service and feed into uh, identifying the anomalies on an incoming data stream, putting those into case management for, uh, uh, for resolution, uh, and then tracking those uh, anomalies, figuring out if one's a real anomaly or not a real anomaly, going back with that new label data and updating uh, the model. Uh, and this, uh, this set of artifacts is available for download uh, from uh, the TIBCO uh, community. You can go play with this yourself, build your own application. Uh, there's a, a community.tibco.com. There's a bunch of materials for uh, uh, understanding uh, how to build these things, uh, both on the TIBCO data science side as well as the Spotfire side. And then if you go to the exchange part of the uh, community site, this part here, this is where you can download some of these assets. So um, as I mentioned, uh, the anomaly detection framework of uh, finding, uh, training a model on historical data, applying that to new incoming data, flagging the anomalies, case managing <coughs> them. This is a general pattern that we use for risk management. Um, we use it for high-tech manufacturing. So if you're in the high-tech manufacturing sector, download this accelerator, and you'll get that same approach that we saw today applied to a high-tech manufacturing sequence. If you're in uh, financial services, download the risk uh, investigation application, apply that to uh, uh, things like uh, anti-money laundering, a financial fraud accelerator. Uh, so the anomaly detection stuff we've got uh, available as templates in, in TIBCO Data Science as well as uh, in Spotfire. And then you can build your own application in the TIBCO Connected Intelligence Cloud uh, for your own use case. So that's pretty much what I wanted to uh, cover today, and I wanted to now open it up for any questions. We've got a couple of uh, 
uh, microphones set up. Um, and you feel free to contact uh, me or Stephen for any detailed questions as follow-up. But I uh, wanted to open the floor and see if we had any discussion points that anyone wanted to raise. Does we have any uh, microphones? I'm not sure if there's microphones set up out there. We can repeat the question, I guess. Questions? Kind of blinded up here. I can't see if anyone's uh, <laughs> really got to go to question. But we, we, you know, we're happy to uh, to interact. There's a there's a guy there. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So uh, you saw in st when Stephen was demonstrating. Uh, repeat the question. Uh, oh, sorry. Repeat the question. Uh, so yeah, does this uh, come with Spotify built in? Yeah. So you saw that's a very collaborative envir environment. So when you build out the the connections. Uh, you know, uh, the, the scoring service, the Spotfire dashboard, these are all part of this Slack-style tracking of things. Uh, so there's a variety of ways to consume this, but typically you've got your Spotfire dashboard uh, built from the results of the predictions combined with other contextual data and tracked inside of the TIBCO Data Science Collaborative Platform. Yeah, good question. So I know it's late <coughs> in the day, everybody's probably running off to something else, but uh, if you want to come up and uh, ask Steve and I any personal questions about uh, what we showed today, we'd be uh, very open to that as well. And uh, tomorrow we're over at the ARIA um, quad uh, in, the, uh, in the morning, uh, working on showing some of the algorithms in more detail, um, some of the use cases in a little bit longer of a format. And then if you want to come drive the F1 car at the TIPCO booth, um, we're sort of in the back uh, to, near the MongoDB booth. Um, and we've got a, a car set up where you can drive the car, you can see uh, you know, the data coming up on the screen in, live in, uh, in Spotfire. And uh, there's a competition going on to, for the lap time uh, uh, there right now. So I guess that's, that's about it. Thanks, everybody.